everyone. Welcome back to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location in Belmont, Massachusetts. My name is Brian. I pastor that location, and it's good to talk to you again. What are you afraid of? What do you fear? More importantly, how do you deal with fear and anxiety? All of us have fear and anxiety in our life, and how we face that is an important issue. Today, we talk about a place in the Bible where we learn how to deal with our fear and anxiety once and for all. This talk was given by Mount Hope Senior Pastor and Burlington Location Pastor Rick Piccarello, and I know you're going to enjoy it, and I hope you listen closely, because I believe that God has something He would like to say to you. I'm not sure if uh, you may or may not be aware of it, but there was a football game last Sunday night. Um, we won't talk about it. Uh, but if the church isn't a place to talk about your pain, I don't know what it is. So if you need to later, we can talk about it. But uh, during that game, uh, there were a lot of people watch. Uh, some people watch for the game. A lot of people, some people watch for the commercials. How many watch for the commercials? How many of you didn't want to take a bathroom break? You want to watch, a couple of you want to watch the commercials? I like the commercials. I'm usually a funny commercial guy. I like the funny ones the best. Um, but this year, my favorite was not so much a funny one, but more of an inspirational one. Uh, it was not advertising a product per se, but it was a promotion for the upcoming Olympic Games. And I don't know how you guys feel about the Olympics, if you're into them or not. My family, we're into the Olympics. Uh, I knew months ago where my family would be last Friday night, that we, the four of us, would be plopped down on a couch watching the opening ceremonies. Uh, I don't know. It's just something our family got into. We watched them. We've been watching them, you know, for years. My son, for, for many years, my son's favorite country was Estonia. Um, which seems a little random, but they had the coolest uniforms that year, so it was Estonia. Uh, we learned some things about Estonia that year. Um, but we, so we're really into the Olympics. We watch them. We, you know, loud cheer came up from our house last night when Red Gerard won the slope style freestyle. Um, spoiler alert if you didn't see that, sorry. If you DVR'd it and you were waiting to go home and watch it. Um, but uh, so Sunday night when we're watching the Super Bowl and the commercial comes on and Lindsey Vaughn shows up on the screen, uh, my family's eyes were glued to the screen and especially uh, my daughter who loves uh, watching Lindsey Vaughn and watching her ski and, and so we're watching that commercial and if you've seen it, they show some pictures of her as a little kid skiing and uh, Alicia Keys' song, This Girl is on Fire, comes up in the background. And then you see her totally wreck and wipe out. And then she's rehabbing and rehabbing her knee. And the song is going to the background. And I see my little nine-year-old girl watching this commercial. And her eyes won't divert from it. And she's, I see her mouthing the words, you know, this girl is on fire. And I'm watching that as her dad, and I'm thinking, yeah, man, you, you go, girl. You know, whatever God calls you to, whatever difficulty comes, you know, you can, you can do it. And I'm watching it, and someone must have been eating some onion dip near me because my eyes started watering up around then. And, uh, you know, I, I, that must have, I'm glad, so, you know, it was dark and people had left the room. But, uh, you know, I'm watching that, and I'm thinking, you know, watching that, and it's inspirational. And I'm watching my little girl watch that and be inspired. And there's something about, seeing people uh, succeed and overcome 
in the face of real difficulty. That is inspiring, right? I think as much as anything, that's, that's probably why, you know, many of us watch the Olympics. We want to hear, we don't want to see not just someone go down a hill at 70 or 80 miles an hour or go down an ice face first at 80 miles an hour. We're wondering, you know, why they would do that. Or maybe you're thinking, yeah, I could probably do that if I tried hard enough or trained hard enough. But it's the stories, right? It's the story of someone overcoming adversity. It's the story of where they came from. Um, and there's something inspiring to us about someone that moves forward in strength and courage. And I think one of the reasons it's inspiring to us is because we all know what it's like to be fearful and discouraged. Like we all in life at times know what it's like to be afraid. And we know what it's like to be discouraged. And so when we see someone operate in a courageous way and in a strong way, it inspires us. Um, I don't know, so I asked that question a little earlier. I don't know, what are you afraid of? You know, there's people who are afraid of a lot of things. Some people are afraid of heights. Some people are afraid of spiders, afraid of snakes, maybe. Maybe that's what you're afraid of. Uh, some people are afraid of clowns. Uh, that's, that's kind of a strange one, but it's not unusual. A lot of people are afraid of clowns. Uh, biggest fear is public speaking on almost every list. Uh, even more than dying. So most of you, or a large majority of you, would rather be dead than doing what I'm doing right now. And that's kind of weird, but that's up there. Um, people are afraid. You know, a lot of things people are afraid of. Maybe you're afraid of failure. A lot of people are afraid of failure. Maybe you're afraid that um, your money's going to run out before your life does. Social Security's not going to be there. Maybe you're afraid of wondering who's going to take care of you. Maybe you're afraid of choices your kids are going to make or choices your children did make, um, I don't know, uh, all kinds of things that people are afraid of. But there's something inspiring about moving forward in strength and courage. And so we admire that in people. And we also recognize that not a lot of people that move forward in fear and discouragement get a lot of press, right? I mean, you don't hear a lot of great things happening about people who move forward in fear and discouragement. It's often strength and courage that great things happen through and happen to in life, right? You got to kind of move forward in strength and courage in your life. Um, we admire people who do courageous things. Um, a few weeks ago, some of you may have seen Allie Reisman uh, testify at Larry Nasser's uh, trial. And, uh, you know, the women and the young ladies that testified at that trial, and especially Allie Reisman, seeing her testify, and many people looked at that and saw, you know, the courage that it took to be able to stand there on that stand and say what she said uh, in the face of adversity. And we admire that. We should admire that. And we see what strength and courage can do and the difference it can make in movements that are happening even throughout our world. Um, we admire strength and courage. You know, sometimes I'll go to a sports game and they'll do things like the hero among us, you know, and, they'll, and when they do the hero among us, they'll bring up maybe a first responder that, you know, did something uh, great in their community or uh, someone that serves in the armed forces and they'll celebrate them as the heroes among us. I have yet to go to one <clears throat> where they'd said something like, you know, hey, here's Greg, and Greg walked by a burning house and, and stayed out because he didn't want to get hurt. And uh, Greg's here with us today because of that. Let's celebrate Greg. Um, you don't hear those stories. You hear about Greg that ran into the burning house and pulled out the cat, the dog, or the loved one, or the person that was in there. 
And we admire people with strength and courage, and we should. Um, some of the people in fiction and in real life, people who succeed in business, who take risks, uh, have a lot of strength and courage at times. Um, a quote from uh, Nelson Mandela, he said, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not, not, uh, the brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. See it in real people. We see it in fiction. Uh, people uh, like, well, this was a real person and a fictional movie, William Wallace in Braveheart, uh, who said, men don't follow titles, they follow courage. Wish I had said that, right? That, that's, that's, yeah, that's an inspiring statement. You see it in fiction like uh, The Cowardly Lion. You know, you see uh, Wizard of Oz who uh, came to a place where he kind of looked within himself and found courage within himself, uh, you know, and we admire people finding courage. Winston Churchill said, success is not final, failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. The success is not final and failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. So we recognize and we look around, we probably all come to the place where we'd say, yeah, strength and courage are needed. Uh, they're important. Maybe you don't feel always strong and courageous, but you look and you say, some, you know, that's something I want to be at times. When God asks me to do something, I'd like to respond with strength and courage. Um, but it's also important where that strength and courage comes from. And maybe you're a person that doesn't feel it immediately. Maybe God asks you to do something, and your first thought is not strength and courage. Where do you get that from? Some people <clears throat> try and look within themselves, and they say, you know, if you just look within yourself, you know, you can find and kind of shore up, and we even have this term, screw up your courage. You know, you can kind of bring it all about by yourself. So we get people like... Uh, inspirational speakers like Tony Robbins who would say, human beings have the awesome ability to take any experience of their lives and create a meaning that disempowers them or one that can literally save their lives. Look within yourself. You can find strength and courage. And maybe you've tried to do that. You know, you've known at times that, hey, I need to be stronger. I need to be bolder. I need to be more courageous. And we try and look within ourselves. We try and be like that cowardly lion and be like, you know, it's there. I don't need the wizard. I don't need, any, I don't need anyone else. It's within myself to be strong and courageous. Maybe you look to others. Um, sometimes we just want other people to kind of be there and say, hey, you can do it. And we all need that, right? Um, we all need that time where someone else is cheering us on and telling us to be strong and courageous. We need people in our lives like that. I hope you have people in your lives like that. Someone that cheers you on, someone that says you can do it, you can get there, and that we can get strength and courage from there as well. Maybe from past experiences. You look at what happened in the past, and you say um, you can look at places you succeeded, and you look for there to get it. Tom Brady last Sunday night going into his eighth Super Bowl um, I think, I'm sure, he looked at the previous ones and, you know, he wasn't as nervous probably as he was that first one. I'm sure he was still nervous, but he looked at those past ones and, you know, I've been here before, done this before. Um, and so you can look at sometimes past experiences and feel that strength and courage. But here's the thing. Try and look it in yourself. Look at others. 
look at the past, all those things are somewhat temporary and transient. Um, you look within yourself, and you can kind of screw up your courage for a while, but then there's other times when you realize and you wonder, you know, do I really have what it takes? Am I really going to be able to meet this new challenge that comes my way? Sometimes you look to others for, you know, their encouragement, but other times that's not what you get. Sometimes you get discouragement. I had a professor in seminary who said, um, for, every, uh, you know, for every one you jerk, you need 10 attaboys to offset it. And uh, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I see that in my kids' lives at times. You know, I'm trying to build them up and say, hey, you can do it. You know, just go after it. You know, you're great. You've got all these things God's put in your life. Try and encourage them. Go after whatever you want. And then someone comes along and undercuts that whole thing with one, you jerk, or one, oh, no, you can't do it, or who do you think you are, or why are you here? And I just want to get so upset. And I'm like, you're undercutting all the work, you know, that I've been doing in this person's life. And maybe that happens in your life, too. There are people who encourage you, but then others who bring discouragement. And even when you look at the past, maybe you've had some great past experiences and successes, but it's kind of like a mutual fund. You know, past, you know, past results don't guarantee future success. Uh, sometimes what's happened in the past, you still look at the future and say, I'm not sure what's going to happen here. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to succeed here. What I want to look at this morning is a passage in the book of Joshua where we have someone who maybe was a little bit like us. Maybe he was a little bit like us, that he found himself in a situation where he needed to be strong and courageous, but he felt more fearful and discouraged. And maybe sometimes you find yourself there. Maybe you find yourself there this morning. That there's places in your life where you know you need to be bold, you need to be strong, you need to be courageous, you need to do something God has asked you to do. You need to follow him where he's told you to follow. I mean, we sang those songs earlier, and they're real fun to sing, and they're real pretty, and they're real easy to sing. But when God really tells you to go someplace and do something different, difficult, to love someone who's hard to love, to forgive someone who's hard to forgive, to step out in faith in an area where you don't know what's going to happen in the future, there doesn't seem to be a lot of support, Maybe singing those words is a lot easier than actually living those words. And we come to a passage in Joshua where uh, this leader that God has called, uh, who needs to be strong and courageous, may be anything but that. Um, so Joshua chapter 1, if you've got a Bible, I invite you to turn there. Uh, we're in Joshua chapter 1. We're going to pick up in verse 6. If you don't have a Bible, if you look in one of the chairs around you, hopefully you can find one. Um, and you can look at the table of contents and find your way to the book of Joshua. It's somewhat right near the beginning. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And then you'll come to a book named Joshua. Um, in Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 9 is what we're going to be looking at this morning. And these are God's words to a man named Joshua. Uh, and if you were with us last week, you learned that Joshua is a new leader that God has chosen, and he's following on the heels of Moses. And so he's coming into a place of leadership of God's people. And these are God's words to Joshua. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. 
Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Here's what I think we find in this passage. Obviously, you heard the word tell Joshua, be strong and courageous. In fact, if you were counting, said it three times. Be strong and courageous. But here's what you find in Joshua. What we find is, I think, a man who had a temptation or the possibility of being anything but strong and courageous. Because if you look in verse 9, God says, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Or if you have a different translation of the Bible, it may say, do not be terrified and do not be discouraged. I don't think God tells somebody to not be frightened or terrified if there's not a chance that they are already feeling frightened or terrified. I don't think God tells someone, don't be discouraged and dismayed if there's not a chance that they're going to or they're already feeling dismayed or discouraged. So we're going to get into this book of Joshua in the next coming weeks, and you're going to see this man who's this great leader and accomplishes some great things. But let's not forget that he starts out as a man that God says has to tell him to be strong and courageous because he's probably pretty terrified and discouraged. And maybe that's the way you and I would be if we were in that position, and maybe that's the way you feel today. But then he tells him, be strong and courageous, But here's the thing, when God tells him be strong and courageous, he doesn't ground it in himself, he doesn't ground it in praise from others, and he doesn't even ground it in Joshua's past experiences. He grounds it in two very important facts that we find in this passage. His strength and his courage are derived from two very particular things. And the first one is in verse 6, where he says this, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. The first thing that Joshua's strength and courage is to be derived from is not something temporary. It's not something transient. The first thing that Joshua's strength and courage is to be derived from are the promises of God. God had given him his promise. Joshua, you're going to go into the promised land, and I'm sending you, and you're going to be successful You have this promise of God. And so be strong and courageous because I've already promised you this. Does it mean it's not going to be difficult? Nope. Still going to have to fight battles. Still going to, and that's not easy, still going to have to lead the disgruntled people. Still going to have to figure some stuff out. How do you live in a land that you haven't lived in? All this stuff still going to be hard, but you're going to succeed. You've got the promises of God that are with you. Here's the thing. Here's what goes on in Scripture. Um, Whenever God gives a command, so this command, be strong and courageous, we call that the imperative, an imperative command. Remember back in your English class? God never gives an imperative without an indicative. Uh, So remember back, the imperative is the command. The indicative is objective truth. God always grounds his command to you 
in an indicative promise. So the command is be strong and courageous, but the promise, but, but the uh, reality, the objective truth is that my promises to you are true and you can trust them. And so God does not write checks that he cannot cash. He's got the money to cover it. And so when he gives you a promise or when he gives a promise to Joshua, you can trust that it's true. So if he says, be strong and courageous, he's going to be able to stand behind the promises that go with that. So God assures you. God can assure you of his promises because he knows the end of the story and we're just watching it on DVR. He knows where it goes. He knows where it's going. And so his promises can be trusted. What are the promises of Scripture? Where do you find them? Well, you certainly find them in Scripture. We sing about them every Sunday morning. You come in here and you sing songs. Uh, We're singing about God's promises. We're reminding ourselves of what God's promises are and who he is. So you can trust that when God in Romans 8 says that all things work together for good for those who love God, you can trust that that promise is true. And so you're feeling fearful or discouraged or you're called to take a step of faith or things are difficult for you. You can remember Romans chapter 8, all things work together for good. This too, God, yep, this too works together for good for those who love God. That the, that, the, that the imperative to be strong and courageous, the imperative to go take a step of faith, the imperative of whatever God is calling you to do is derived from the promise that God's word to you is true. The Bible says that God gives good gifts to his children. That's true all the time. It's true for you. You may not see the good right away, but you can trust that God is good. The Bible says that there's a heaven, that it's worth it that it'll be a place where there's no sickness, that there's no disease, where your body will not break down, that it'll be a place that's created for you, and God is preparing that place, and that promise is true, and it's good, and it's right, and it can be trusted. God, Bible says that God rewards people for the life lived on this earth, and so you can trust that with God because he's delivered on all of his promises. So he gives the imperative, be strong and courageous, but you're not called to be strong and courageous like to screw up your own courage. You're called to be strong and courageous because you can trust the promises of God. But the second thing it's derived from, the second thing it's derived from is found in verse nine. Found in verse nine where God says, have I not commanded you, talking to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you, for the Lord your God is with you. So it's derived from his promises, but it's also derived from his presence. God says, I will be with you, Joshua. You're going to go and do this, but you're not going to do it alone. My presence will be with you. And he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. In fact, we didn't read verse 5. Uh, But it says, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Just like I was with Moses, he says. I'm going to be with you. God's presence is going to be with you. And he promises that. God's presence was such a valuable thing. There was one place where in Scripture, um, the people of God were not following his ways. And God tells Moses, God tells Moses, he said, look, I promised you this land, and I'll give it to you. And you guys can go in the promised land, and you can take them, but I'm not going with you. 
I'm not going with you. My presence won't go with you. And Moses, Moses says, God, we don't want your promises without your presence. If you're not going with us, then we don't want to go. We don't want to go. Because the presence of God was so, Moses knew, it's not about the promises of God alone, it's about the presence of God in those promises that's so important. So God says to Joshua, I won't leave you or forsake you, my presence is with you. And here's the thing, Jesus in the New Testament uses the exact same words to his followers. Uses the exact same words. He says, I will not leave you or forsake you. I'm with you always. And that wasn't just to his disciples. Those words were to everyone who would put their faith and trust in Jesus and follow him. So that means Jesus is with you, and he won't forsake you, and he won't leave you. The Bible says that when someone comes and puts their faith in Jesus Christ, that God's Holy Spirit actually comes to live and dwell in them. That God's presence and his spirit is with you. I think we so way underestimate what this means. I say that, and those of you that are Christians, those of you that have been following God a long time, I say that, and you, and you just nod your head, and you're like, yeah, I know that's true. And we talk about the omniscience, uh, omnipresence of God, and he's with us, and he's everywhere, and that's fine, and we kind of move on. <clears throat> I think we way underestimate the significance of that, that God is with you wherever you go and whatever you're doing, not just in this room for an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning, Everywhere you go, that wherever you're going tomorrow morning, you find yourself, I don't know where you find yourself, in a neighborhood, in an office, in a lab, on a sales floor, whatever that is, God is with you. Do you believe that, that you're sitting in that meeting around that conference table tomorrow morning and you're drinking your coffee and eating stale donuts left over from last week and your team's trying to figure out some problems that, that happened from the last quarter and you're trying to figure it out and you're, you're trying to you know, come up with a solution and you're trying to come up with an answer. Do you just try and figure it out on your own or will you believe that the God of the universe that created uh, all the math or anything that the markets are, that you're trying to figure out are based on, that the God who knows all and it is all, it is in all, is with you, and that you can ask him, like, Lord, what should I do here? <clears throat> do you believe that God is with you? Maybe you're a physician. You're a physician, and you're helping your patients, and you've you got a great education, and you've got great experience, and you've got great, great colleagues, but do you believe that when you are sitting there and you're trying to figure out what's going on in that person's body, that the very God of the universe who created that body is there with you, <clears throat> that he can help you read any test and any scan and see what you're supposed to see and know what you're supposed to know? I think we totally miss this sometimes, that God is with you. God's presence is with you. <clears throat> that whatever you're doing, can I get some water? I didn't bring any up here. I don't know where that's located in Belmont, sorry. <clears throat> um, I don't want you to have to listen to my raspy voice here the whole time. Um, but God is with you this whole time, wherever you are. That whatever comes your way, maybe you're a counselor and you're sitting in that room and you're sitting across from that person and you're trying to figure it out you're trying to want, figure out what's going on in that heart, what's going on in that life. Um, do you believe that the God who created that person 
the God who knows that person's soul, the God who knows that person from the end to the beginning, the God who knew that person in the womb before they were even born, and the God who knows that person from beginning to end is with you and can give you insight into that situation. And then you silently maybe say a prayer, Holy Spirit, speak to me, help me to understand. I've just, I, this is something that's, I, I'm, I'm saying, I guess I'm so passionate about this because I think this is something that's just, I'm finding in my life, thanks, Bill, is becoming more and more real to me that I'll be sitting in a meeting or I'll be sitting across a table from someone and that'll be my silent prayer, Holy Spirit, help me to see and understand because I don't know what's going on here, but you do. The presence of God that is with us And don't underestimate that. Strength and courage is not derived from something within yourself or outside from someone else. Strength and courage is derived from the promises of God that are true and from the presence of God that is with you. Always, Jesus says, that he's with you. Don't don't leave him at the door when you walk out of 51 Lexington Street on Sunday morning. Know that he is with you and that he goes with you, and that he guides you, and that he wants to guide you. So derived from the promises and the presence of God, but there's one other aspect that's in here. There's three aspects. There's three occurrences of strength and courage that I mentioned. One assures us of God's promises. One assures us of God's presence. The other is derived from God's promises, derived from God's presence, but it's displayed through our obedience. In verses 7 through Eight, it says, only be strong and courageous, God says to Joshua, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So derived from God's presence, derived from God's promises, but displayed through our obedience. Uh, How do you know that you are getting your strength and courage from God and not somewhere else? Well, how are you living your life? Because the person that is deriving their strength and courage from God's presence and God's promises is living their life according to God's word. Living your life according to God's word in your life. We can say, oh, yeah, I, I believe God is with me and strength and courage and all that, but then if we go live our lives how we want to live them and we make our word our God, well, we're not really trusting God, are we? He tells Joshua, stay close to this word. Meditate on it day and night. Don't let it depart from your mouth. And what that means, we think of meditation and we think about sitting around silently and focusing on something. That's not what God's talking about. Meditate on it day and night. Don't let it depart from your mouth because don't let it depart from your mouth because for Joshua, meditation, their idea of meditation was speaking. It was, it was, it was speaking this word of God. They would say it and, they, and they'd constantly be thinking about it and speaking it and saying it. So don't let it depart from your mouth. Meditate on it. Think about it. Have it always in front of you. Know it. And he says, if you do that, You'll be successful and prosper. It's not just having the presence and promises of God that leads to success and prosperity. It's having the presence and promises of God and organizing your life according to God's word. 
Moses found that out. Moses had the presence of God. Moses had the promises of God. But there's a point in his life, if you know the story, I'm not going to go through it all today, but if you know the story, a point in Moses' life where he said, I'm going to go my way. I'm not going to listen to your word. I'm going to do it my way, God. And he did. And God said, okay, I'm going to keep my promise to my people, but you're not going into the promised land with them. And so this is why Joshua and not Moses is leading the people into the promised land because Moses decided to, at a point that was important to God, decided to go his own way, not follow the word of God. And so God says to Joshua, look, be strong and courageous, but make sure you live your life according to my word because that's what will ultimately give you that success and prosperity. God's going to be good on his promise. He's going to make good on his promise. But we're called to live our lives according to his word. And that's what gives success and prosperity, God says. Um, you know, we can have the presence and the promise of God, but if we don't live our lives in obedience to God, we can miss out on all God has for us. It's like having a, go back to that analogy of a check. It's like someone writes for you a $1,000 check and they give it to you and it's good. They got the money in the bank. They've signed the bottom right corner, but all you do is frame it and hang it on the wall. It's not real valuable to you there, is it? God's given you his presence and his promise, but you and I are called to live our lives in obedience. Joshua is called to live his life in obedience in order to be successful and prosperous. You gotta cast a check. You gotta step out in faith. It's derived from the presence and promise of God, but it's displayed through our obedience to him and to his word, knowing his word, following his word. I can't say, God, you're the word of my life. I want to live for you. And then I go out those doors and do everything the way I want to do it. I'm not really serving God then. So derived from the presence and promise and displayed through our obedience that we can live our lives with strength and courage. Because Jesus has grounded the imperative. Go and make disciples of all nations in the world in the indicative of I am with you always to the very end of the age. And whatever God has commanded you to do, wherever he's commanded you to go, I promise you he has given you that imperative and grounded it in an indicative of his presence and his promise. One of the best, as I close, one of the best stories I heard of uh, just kind of illustrating this truth to us as Christians came from a pastor uh, at a conference I was at. Uh, and his pastor's name was Mark Driscoll. And he was sharing about um, a trip that he was taking. And it was an upcoming trip that he, well, he's taken it at this point, but he was sharing about what it was, he was preparing for a trip that he was taking with his family. And his, um, his youngest son, Gideon, at the time was two to three years old or so. And the trip was to go to Scotland. And what little boy wouldn't want to go to Scotland? And he was all, uh, Mark, Mark was all excited about the trip, but Gideon, he just couldn't get on board with this trip. He just could not get 
this little kid excited. I mean, you're going to Scotland, we're going to see, they're going to see castles, you're going to see swords, you're going to see, you know, talk about battles and all this stuff. Like, like this is a little kid's dream, Mark's thinking, but Gideon is just not on board, and he would talk to him, and he would say, you know, Gideon, uh, you know, why, why don't you, you want to go? This is going to be great. Aren't you excited about going? And he said, we're going to see castles, and Gideon would just say, no, no. He said, don't you want to see swords? We'll see two-handed swords and one-handed swords. He says, no. No, don't want to go. And so he tries other things. He says, um, well, you're gonna, we're going to fly on a plane, and you can have a window seat. You can look out the window. You're going to be higher than everybody. You're going to be taller than everybody. You're going to be way up there. It's not gonna, no, not interested, no. I don't know why Mark's three-year-old son talked like a person who smoked a pack a day for his whole life, but that's the voice he used. He tells them, you know, that, uh, you know, aren't you excited? We're going to, you know, you can have your own TV and you can have your own headphones. And he says, no. And finally he gets down and he says, Gideon, why don't you want to go? I mean, this is going to be a great trip. Why don't you want to go? And he looks at his dad and he says, I don't want to be alone. And he said, you don't want to be alone? What? He said, do you, think, do you think you're going to Scotland alone? And he said, yeah. And then, then all of a sudden, you know what's going through Mark's mind? Like, like the anxiety and stress on this little two and three-year-old kid. Like he's going on this trip alone. He's thinking about his connecting flight and changing currency and, and all this stuff. And he's like, no. And he tells him, he says, Gideon, I, I'm going with you. And, and his son looks back at him. He says, oh, you're going to be there? And he says, yeah, I'm going to be there. And then the countenance on his face changed, and he gets all excited about going on this trip. Why? Because his daddy is going to be there with him. In Mount Hope, you can be strong and courageous because your daddy is with you. His presence is with you. His promises are true, and you can trust them. And so God has called us as a people to live our lives, not fearfully, not discouraged. It doesn't mean we don't sometimes feel fear and discouragement. Joshua did. Moses did. If you go back to Moses' life, God first called him. He said, no, God. He basically said, I I think you might have the wrong number. (laughs) I can't talk very well, and they won't believe me. (laughs) Strength might start out fearful and discouraged. But God has called you to be strong and courageous, derived from his promises and his presence and displayed through living your life according to his word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask our music ministry to return as we pray. As we do, I'm going to just invite you. We're going to take a few minutes just to respond to this word of God. And that's what this time is really for, Mount Hope, that we would take some time to respond to God's word. And I would encourage you now even to just close your eyes for a moment and not because we're going to do anything I don't want you to see. That's not why I ask you to close your eyes. But I want to just give you a little sacred space in your day, a little sacred space in your week where it's just you And ask God to just speak to you and speak into your life 
Forget about the person to your right or left or in front of you, behind, just you and God. And say, God, would you speak to me? Help me to respond, know how to respond to this word. Maybe there's something in your life that you know God is asking you to do, but you have been afraid, and you're not sure how it's going to turn out. And this morning, God is once again calling you to step out in strength and courage. Maybe you just need to know and be reminded of God's presence, that he's with you in whatever he's called you to do or his promises. Or maybe you know. <laughs> you've been a Christian and, and you've followed God and you know that there are things in God's word that you say you follow God, but you just haven't been living out. And this morning, you need God. You need to come to God and confess it, and you need him to give you that strength and courage to just follow his word. Whatever it is, we're going to take a few minutes to respond, and here's how we'll respond. We're going to sing a couple songs, and maybe you'll stay in your seat, and you can respond there and, um, and sing these songs of worship. We'll have some people in back that will be available for prayer, and if you've got something that you want to, uh, someone to pray with you about, you can go to the back of the room, and there'll be some people back there, and they'll pray with you and for you. Or maybe you want to come and you want to kneel spend some time at one of these altars. Spend some time kneeling before God and praying and asking him for that strength and courage that you need for whatever he's called you to do. An altar is a place of sacrifice. We don't make dead sacrifices. As Christians, we're living sacrifices. So maybe you want to come and kneel at the altar here, and if you do, someone will come and pray for you and pray with you for whatever that might be. Lord, would you guide us to respond to your word well? Pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and through us. Father, my words don't have any power. It's only your word and your spirit that could make a difference in someone's life. So Lord, as we prayed at the beginning, now I pray again. Give us ears and hearts to hear and understand and respond to your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and let's respond to God's word together. Hey, thanks again for listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location. At Mount Hope, we gather in Belmont every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. and in Burlington at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Each week that we gather, we do so to learn more about God, grow in our love of Him and others, and then we go to live lives driven by faith. If you live in the Burlington or Belmont, Massachusetts areas, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday. You can learn more about us by visiting our website at mounthope.org, M-O-U-N-T-H-O-P-E.org, or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at mthopebelmont. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to having you listen again 